Hello everyone and welcome to the Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to come back every Friday for a new episode with special guests from the leading companies in the supply chain. On this week's episode, I talked to Iskander Yavar, national leader of BDO's manufacturing practice. BDO is the fifth largest public county firm in the world with the mission to drive progress and solve problems of complex manufacturing. So today we're going to be talking about digital transformation as well as analysing the risks, the technologies and how we can use COVID as a catalyst for transformation. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and thank you so much for joining us today, Iskander. How are you doing? Great, Emily, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you. So I was wondering if firstly you could kind of tell us a little bit about your current job role and also what jobs led you to where you are today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So currently, um, I'm responsible for the manufacturing practice at BDO in the U.S. Um, I also have a management consulting team that helps drive these types of services in the marketplace. Um, I grew up in technology. I grew up out of school when I graduated in the ERP world. I spent a lot of time at uh, companies like Anderson Consulting and SAP, helping clients who are growing rapidly and transforming have the right technology as a backbone to help that growth. So it's always been a passion of mine, the digital space. Uh, I love manufacturing. It's a big part of the DNA of our country. And being able to bring those two things together is a a real treat. Amazing. So what does a typical day look like for you? I can imagine it's a lot of management for projects and a lot of calls with a lot of companies. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's really a lot of listening at the end of the day. We have a lot of clients in our in our space, this high growth middle market space that are transforming. And, and they're coming to us with business challenges and surround transparency into their supply chain or, you know, improving profitability or entering new markets. And, you know, it's usually a CFO or CEO saying, here's my challenge. How can you help me solve it? Our job, my job is to really listen to them first and, and then bring the best of BDO and, and really our ecosystem partners to the table. Inevitably, Emily, as you know, in the world we live in today, Everything's enabled through technology and this digital platform. And, uh, you know, we, we try and implement technology as an enablement tool and not for the sake of technology. So it's a lot of listening and then solving problems with our clients that the best of our ability. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering what is the key um, values and kind of what can you get out of digital transformation as well as why is it so important, especially now that we are utilizing the, the latest technologies? Yeah, so what's interesting about uh, manufacturing and, and, and the word digital, if you will, is it's really the only industry that exists in this world that has actually named their digital revolution, Industry 4.0, right? And what the manufacturing sector has said is, uh, we have an opportunity to employ all these technologies that are now really affordable. So when you think about cloud and analytics and sensors on the factory floor and the, the e-commerce applications out there, those things are affordable. Cost is not a barrier to play, barrier to entry. Uh, we have the opportunity to actually employ those things to improve whether it's quality, on-time delivery, ability to work in a healthy way, in a remote way, which is you know a big issue today with uh, the world we're living in under the pandemic. Um, and so you know a lot of what we do is really help connect those dots. What are the right technologies at the right time to achieve your business objectives? Amazing. And kind of um, zooming out a little bit, I suppose, to the to the wider supply chain, which part of the supply chain is most greatly impacted by digital transformation, do you think? Yeah, you know, I think there's two really important parts of the supply chain. There's, um, you know, from country of origin 
all the way to where the goods are going, but it's that last mile that's getting a lot of attention. And part of that is because of an expectation that really the digital transformation of our society has set. So you and I today and all the listeners on this podcast are now accustomed to pressing buttons and getting things at our door immediately. I mean, in some cases within two hours, that's not just something that's happening in the consumer market, but in manufacturers that we talk to in that world of supply chain, their B2B relationships have the same expectations. So the idea of improving last mile delivery, creating uh, micro distribution centers within municipalities around the world is something that's really important. Um, there's an expectation of fast, high quality, without error, on-time delivery um, in every business these days. And I think that's what you're going to see more and more of. Um, it's Clearly, we know the juggernauts that are setting the expectation. It's companies like Amazon. But even from that perspective, supply chain that plays a really prominent role now in this whole direct-to-consumer market. We're bypassing middlemen and we're just going straight from a website to your front door and um, you know, touchless distribution centers. And that whole idea of being able to do it faster with less hands uh, is, is critical to the industry. And, and you'll see items like intelligent supply chain and how to use automation and technology and supply chain becoming more and more uh, top of mind for executives. Yeah, and that's something I'm I'm kind of curious about is the the customer demand and how that's shifted and how customer expectations have probably greatly increased because we now do expect next day delivery. So how has um, consumer demands kind of shifted the way that digital transformation has had to work? Yeah, so I, I would say that's a really good question and a very relevant question to what we're living through today. When we're in the middle of a massive change in how consumers behave. Uh, COVID's accelerated some of that because the, the demand has shifted from brick and mortar retail outlets that you and I used to go into to our homes. So the physical location of demand has now shifted and it's gone from the purchasing power of a brick and mortar facility of a, a retail organization to the purchasing power of an individual. Uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That pivot's happened and we're going to keep on going down that road. And, and that affects technologies that are employed. You know, people want to be able to buy, buy online. That's, you know, having an e-commerce platform is no longer an option if you're going to be a formidable component in this space. Uh, and then the ability to deliver quickly, however that's defined, and I will tell you more and more the pressure is faster, is not an option either. So you know, if I'm left with buying from one retailer online and waiting 10 days or two days, the answer is really quick, easy for most consumers, right? So I don't think we're going to get away from speed um, at home at the touch of a button anytime soon. I think that's an irreversible course that we've, we're going down now. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of interesting. That's kind of what is necessary now. So I kind of want to touch on um, the importance of that and how companies are now obviously thriving from e-commerce and thinking about these companies that were created during this kind of digital transformation time and companies that have had to adapt to this. So could you kind of expand on that and what it's like to have to adapt as a company? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great question. Uh, you know, we see that at BDO as really a tale of two companies, those that are born digital. And let me define that for the audience. Uh, in, in our mind, a company that's born digital um, is relatively new. It's, it's, it's born into this digital world that we are now living in in the last 10, 15 years. Their business plan, their operating model, and how they choose about execution employs a lot of technology. It takes advantage of what's available to them today from a digital perspective. So think... Um, 
robust e-commerce platforms, touchless distribution centers, robotics on the, on the factory floor, all those are built into the plan versus and in contrast to legacy companies that are 20, 30, 50, 100 years old and are having to con constantly keep up with the digital changes and what's available to them. It's just a slower process. Um, they're usually going to do it through proofs of concept. It usually requires a capital expenditure and a lengthy approval process with the executive team. And it's just harder to keep up. And what we're starting to see is really the contrast with those types of companies. The born digital companies are more profitable. They're growing faster and they're keeping up with consumer demand. The, those that aren't born digital are just having a different go at it. I won't say it's always harder and different. In many cases, they're very established and um, you know very profitable. But change management and adaptation is definitely a different challenge in those environments. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's kind of interesting as well that um, no matter which, well, when the company was born, it has still always been impacted by COVID. Um, like last year, no matter how big, how small, everything was disrupted. Um, and I kind of want to touch on risk management slightly and how we can kind of manage the disruptions and challenges that we were faced as a supply chain and as as companies. So could you just expand on that a bit more? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So just a couple of reference points to your question. You know, three years ago, if you looked at the any of the major surveys of executives, CEOs especially, and you asked about supply chain as a priority, out of 20 items, it was number 19 or 20. To for the question and point you're making, COVID has impacted 95% of all supply chains. And that, that impact is uh, tough to overcome in many subsectors of, of many industries. So what we saw throughout actually one of our recent surveys is there's interrupted companies and specifically manufacturers who take a long time, longer time to recover to the demand that's out there versus uninterrupted. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So what we're seeing is supply chain is now raised in terms of importance. It's now number one, two or three priority for most executives. Uh, the idea of disaster recovery and business continuity planning is now at the forefront again because of the pandemic and the crisis. We see companies asking us two things, really. Um, help us find additional capacity in other parts of the world. We're tired of being subjected to one geography, in many cases, China. And we see the, the other companies that say we have redundancy in our supply chain. We have multiple suppliers for our core um, raw materials and we're okay. But it's really a it's a really a planning process, and it's not always possible to have a perfect situation duplicate supply chains. It's a really tough proposition. It's a costly proposition. It's expensive, but clearly companies are thinking about that more and more, considering what COVID's done to a lot of these chains. Yeah, and it's something that I'm interested in is kind of how important the supply chain is, and always has been, but now kind of just the media understands it and kind of discusses it more, like even talking about PPE, that's a whole nother supply chain that has been implemented into, you know, the global supply chain that hasn't, that wasn't about before. And I just think it's fascinating that um, COVID has brought to light how important the supply chain is, as well as um, the technologies and things like transparency and data and in all these just key aspects are being extremely brought to light from COVID. Um, and now I'm kind of wondering, is there anything kind of in the future that we can do to bounce back and be more tenacious as a supply chain um, now that we've recognized these challenges? Yeah, so you know, maybe a couple of things that 
it, you know, no good crisis should go wasted. And what I mean by that is you saw some interesting human behaviors in times of crisis, right? Historically, and the pandemic's not been different. We saw a, a lot of companies shift their, um, their, their goals and their production capacity to help with PPE, as an example. So think about um, beer brewers who are now making hand sanitizers or additive manufacturers, 3D printers who are making face shields. There was a lot of that goodness just happened. There was a way for companies to help respond to the crisis. There's also a way for them to stay afloat. Um, so that's, it's nice to see that pivot happen so quickly. Um, what I would say is we're, and it's not just because of changes in administration and changes in large international trade policies and some of the separations that are happening, EU Brexit. It's all of those things. We're witnessing a rebalance of the supply chain globally. And we're just at the very beginning. So almost on a daily basis, you're, you're, you're witness to new trade agreements that are happening between countries and regions. Um, the UK with Asian countries, right? The UK with China, the US with Brexit, uh, the UK and the European Union, et cetera, et cetera. That's all a reaction to changes in administration. That's also a reaction to the understanding that China has been at the center of a lot of supply chain for a lot of good reasons. They're very efficient. Um, it's very profitable for a lot of non-Chinese countries to have manufacturing there. But given geopolitical relationships, IP infringement issues, global security concerns, uh, the change in administration, uh, we're seeing that everybody's rebalancing. So there's a rise of other Asian countries. You see Vietnam, Malaysia, Thailand sticking their hand in the air and saying, we want a piece of the supply chain. India, Mexico is doing the same. This rebalancing is going to take some years to work out. And I think the net result is not a mass exodus of the supply chain from China per se, but more countries sharing in that chain, which is healthy for competition, healthy for the global community. Uh, I think we're going in the right direction. Uh, I, I don't think that's uh, something that's going to happen overnight, but I think this rebalancing is what we're witnessing today. And so what can we expect to see as a result um, of COVID, maybe looking to the future now, um, thinking about the opinions and changes in customer demand? Are we thinking that customers are going to be okay with things taking longer or do they want it quicker? Thinking about um, transportation limit, transportation limitations and uh, distribution centers like local ones perhaps. And um, what what um, results can we expect to see from this? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you, um, ex once expectations are set, it's, it's hard to lower your service level against them. So if I take you to drive a Mercedes, it's hard then afterwards for me to convince you to drive, to, to buy a Honda, right? And you have an expectation of quality of speed of whatever that is. The same applies in terms of consumer demand and delivery. Once, uh, once I know I can get it in two hours or in a day, it's going to be hard for me to wait a month. So I, I think there's a, a pivot that's happened that's not going to be reversed. And you're starting to see that with other major retailers, as an example, Walmart now has a very robust um, distribution network, online platform. And you know you could argue that they were a decade late to that game, but COVID and Amazon have pushed them into that game. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that's natural maturity out of uh, friendly com competition, right? So I, I don't see that being reversed anytime soon. I do see the landscape changing. So um, think about the infrastructure required to deliver on all these promises. Um, you're seeing that in terms of um, even last mile vehicles. 
Amazon has a freight as an example of less mile vehicles, but with the increase in demand for um, online commerce, they're now employing private citizens in their private vehicles to be part of their distribution network, right? Uh, and so, you know, we all witnessed that with uh, random cars coming to our homes and delivering the goods that we've ordered through Amazon. I think that's a capacity issue, right? And they're trying to react fast. As big as they are, they can't even fulfill the demand. Uh, you're also seeing, um, while you have the big players creating massive distribution centers in many geographies of the world, you also have um, the traditional logistics providers, think DHL, UPS, Federal Express, banning together and testing with academic institutions, micro distribution centers across many municipalities. So they're modeling what that effect, how that affects on-time delivery and the cost of distribution, all that's happening today. Um, and you, you have a lot of major universities studying last mile logistics and a lot of uh, 3PLs, if you will, coming together to try and um, do it better and faster. Once COVID's behind us, we're not going back to where we came from. So I think we all can agree, we're not gonna go back, you know, there's not gonna be a mass exodus off of the web and back into the retail stores. Um, there's not gonna be a mass exodus from our home offices back into our corporate offices. Things have shifted. And the reality is that um, it's shifted in a, in a positive direction and you're seeing, you know, the, the economies of the world to deal with that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting also you touch on kind of these big companies and businesses like Amazon and Walmart, but maybe raising the question, what does this mean for medium to small size businesses? Um, how are they going to um, compete in what seems like a really maybe expensive um, way of transforming the supply chain? Yeah, I think that's to be determined. And, and if you think about what Amazon's done, it's the same thing Walmart was doing 20 years ago. And the complaint was when Walmart physically came into town, small and medium-sized businesses went out of business. They ate their competition. And that's the complaint today with Amazon. So we've kind of seen this movie before. I think it's going to force those businesses to innovate. And, you know, it, be, it could be innovation in the way they sell. It could be innovation in the way they work together right, to form uh, common distribution networks. Clearly, they can't compete with the resources that some of these big retailers have. But um, the interesting thing is it's, there's a little bit of Darwinism that happens in, in, in these big shifts, right? It's survival of the fittest. And if you want to survive, you have to innovate. And I think we're going to see that to be determined what those motions are. Um, I, I, I can tell you the question we talked about earlier, those companies that are born digital, those guys are innovating, right? They're actually employing all these technologies and they're growing faster and they're more profitable. And I think that's one example of the reaction to, we can't just create the typical company with the, the typical supply chain and the typical delivery model and expect to compete in this new world. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't think it's a new movie. I think innovation is gonna be key, which employs all these technologies that we're talking about. And I think we're, start, we're gonna start to see what that looks like. The born digital concept is a, is a leading indicator of that. Yeah, and also I don't know if this is something that um, is happening in America right now, but in on the Amazon UK website, they actually have feature small businesses and um, small shops that are similar to Etsy or kind of Depop, these kind of handmade um, businesses, which I think is obviously a very good idea. They, they probably were quite struggling throughout COVID and I'm, I'm happy to see that they, they're on the front page of a biggest company in the world so I think that's really good to maybe support these smaller businesses for sure 
You're, you're right, Emily. I think that's a um, conscious decision by Amazon to recognize the power that they have. And it's not necessarily take out everybody. What they're, what they're deciding, what you're seeing is they know they have a platform and they can be profitable by sharing their platform with others. And that's part of the innovation. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons to being part of the Amazon game. You give up certain protections and rights. But um, that, there's a lot of power in what they've developed. And if they're using that in a way that helps grow small businesses, and I've seen the same news, right? They celebrate some of those. You know, there's businesses doing well on the Amazon platform. Um, believe me, that's, that's power for Amazon too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of just a final question, is there anything else you wanted to touch on um, or kind of just uh, finish as a message um, to all our listeners today? Yeah, if you think about um, digital technologies and commerce and the supply chain, uh, my only point to the audience would be um, it's not something that's going to go away. It will never go away. We'll get, we will be exposed to more and more of these opportunities or challenges, depending on your lens, to employ technology to do things bigger, better, faster. Uh, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, 50 years ago in the Fortune 100, who was part of the Fortune 100? It was big box retailers, financial institutions, automotive manufacturers. And today, who is it? It's technology firm one, technology firm two, technology firm three. That's for a reason. Think about when you watch TV next time, where the commercials are coming from. It's really two big categories. It's pharmaceuticals because people continue to live and be sick. And it's technology, it's applications. Every, there's an app for everything now and it's getting marketed. Um, those are indicators of the digital journey that we're on. I think we can all agree that we're not going to go backwards in terms of digital sophistication and adoption. And I just would encourage the audience to understand, educate and embrace where possible. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think that's a really, a really great point to end on as well. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, I've, I think it's been a really great little conversation. Um, I love talking about digital transformation. Obviously, the supply chain is increasingly more important now than ever. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope we can keep this conversation always going. Absolutely, Emily. It was a pleasure. Anytime you'd like to chat, I'd love to do it. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.